Hey everybody, this is Charlie from Anthrax, and you are listening to today's Boo Doggle. This is Mark Metcalf, and you are listening to today's Boo Doggle with Bailey Domain Cleveland Radio. You are listening to today's Boo Doggle with Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. Yes, Kato Kalen listens to this all the time. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle. And a real quick housekeeping note, if you're watching us on YouTube or Rumble or BitChute or Odyssey, please hit that follow and subscribe button. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or uh, Apple or Google or any of the podcast platforms, please hit that follow and subscribe button. Also, um, for all our fans that are, we are doing another ticket giveaway contest for uh, Sonic Temple Festival coming to Columbus, Ohio. So if you are, uh, you know, want to try for a chance to win those, uh, please hit our social media platforms up. We'll be putting an announcement out there on either our Instagram or Facebook. Uh, so follow us on there as well. Uh, but anyway, we'll be getting into Sonic Temple and a few other things here. Uh, as I'm talking with Lucas from the band. Now, I just spell it out, but is it... <laughs> Is there a proper pronunciation for it or air? Yeah, like air, the, air. like the air you breathe. Yeah, it's like oh, a playoff. Okay. Air to air to the throne. If you want to use that, like H E I I R um H E I R. Uh, yeah, just stylized with an A because some there's some band called Air already with an H. So uh, okay, and then it, so it's not like initials for anything. It's just no. We had a lot of fun trying to come up with those, but <laughs> no. Nice. But yeah, Lucas, the singer of the band Air, and um, usually when I have uh, somebody on for the first time, I like to get a quick background. So do you remember originally, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man, uh, a lot of different things. I liked uh, like construction equipment for some reason, um, uh, but mostly I think I was really into sports. I was good at soccer. I, li- I loved football, but I was too small for football and like five nine hundred twenty five pounds and my brother was a few years older and played on the football team but uh i, I always loved sports i wanted to be an athlete i think nice and then around 15 16 is really when really like 14 15 is when the rock and roll you know took over and i wanted to you know got into blues music and all the rock and roll that my dad and my mom were showing me so yeah that's what i was gonna ask next so then like when when did music kind of catch your ear and who were some early influences Oh man, super young because both my parents were really into music. My mom's a really good pianist. My dad, you know, would be jamming his vinyls in the basement as far back as I have memories, you know, four or five years old. And um, first influences were my parents' type of music. Both of them listened to everything, but my dad was born in 55. So, you know, the Led Zeppelins, the, you know, the um, Black Sabbath, you know, Hendrix's, 
all of those things. And I got really into blues music at one point too, when I was playing a lot of guitar. So those are some of my first influences watching the DVDs with my dad and stuff like that. And idolizing right. those people until eventually I started to find my own, you know, my own music that I enjoyed too. So. And then who were some of those that, that when you started uh, kind of coming into your own and discovering? Well, my age group, uh, you know, being in middle school, going into high school, stuff that I really gravitated towards that was like really crazy and coming out as uh, stuff like uh, Linkin Park, believe it or not. That band blew up. I remember uh, one of their songs being in a video game I played. And Hybrid Theory had just came out. So they were probably one of my first like serious like listen to the cd until it stopped working type type of bands but you know from there it, it moved quickly you know i've listened to everything rap blues you know it doesn't matter uh but i'd say that was one of the earliest bands that i could say that was one of my own finds that i really like gravitated toward nice and then um like as as time went on growing up listening to that music when was it where you were like you know what this is uh this is something i want to pursue myself um, it was, uh, my dad had guitars and played guitars. My mom, we took piano lessons, we were, uh, piano lessons when we were younger. She played piano. So I'd say like 12, around 12, my dad taught me, you know, secret agent man on guitar and, uh, taught me, um, uh, uh, smoke on the water, you know, like real easy stuff around 12, but I didn't really mess with it too much. Learned some open chords. And then it was really around 15 when I was in high school. I had a buddy that played. His dad played in blues bands, cover bands and stuff. And that's when I really started to learn theory and started to really get into music. And then right away, uh, it was punk rock, you know, bands like Green Day, Blink, because they're so easy to play, just mashing on power chords. But really, really quickly, I fell in love with blues music and went back into that. And that's when I really started to dive into guitar theory and uh, playing lead guitar now i just sing and play a little bit of rhythm i leave the lead guitar playing to the uh, more professionals the guys that are better than i am but uh around i would say 15 is when it really dug in i was really good at soccer but it was you know affecting me and my athletics you know having fun playing music some of the stuff that comes along with that you know yeah so. gotcha and then um so you know you're you in school and then you start meeting some more like-minded individuals when did you start forming like your own uh your bands right then 15 16 we learned we had original music i was the uh rhythm guitar player for the guy that showed me a lot of stuff on guitar and um not only that but his dad like i said played in uh blues cover band named sam walls his dad's name is dom walls and i played bass in his dad's uh for a couple gigs played bass in his dad's uh, cover band and then I had my own original band with that other cat and had some original songs. So I remember being 16 and uh, loading in gear, then having to wait outside the club until um, an hour before the set. And then the set's over, uh, unloading and having to leave, you know, half an hour to an hour after that. Can't hang out because being underage. But yeah, around then I had my first band in high school up until 18, 19. And that band ended and then I started playing, uh, I actually quit music for like maybe six months. Oh, you froze up on me. It was just was an awkward thing. So I actually was really discouraged by that and both my parents again, shout out to them, were like, this is the best thing that could have happened to you. 
so I started uh I started playing again, singing again, and uh then started my own band, uh called Astro Gypsy. And then some cats in Columbus, a band called Zoo Trippin', uh met them and they started they really helped that band kinda of get into the Columbus scene. And that would have been years later at like twenty three, four probably. So, yeah, I was gonna ask band, you what was like the music scene like down there in Columbus when you guys were getting uh, a, lot, a lot like how it is now. You know, you got a lot of locals that grind really hard. Columbus, I think, is the 14th biggest, 14th or 15th, where it's just behind Indianapolis. Um, but uh, the music scene there kind of, kind of could be a, a lot more than, than 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 what it's given credit for, and I think it is a lot more than what's given credit for. There's a really good uh, music scene, and obviously with uh, a festival like Sonic Temple being around. Um, that kind of shows it. There's so much talent in Columbus uh, from all types of genres of music. And then also, you know, even comedy, stuff like that. There's all sorts of talent there. So um, I wouldn't say it's much different than what it was like when I first got into it. I think I just uh, got into the scene more, got more experience in it, met more people in it, stuff like that. And uh, there's so much talent in Columbus. It is a really, really is a music city. Nice. And then uh, when did uh, when did Air come together for you? Uh, I was on tour with my old band called The Turbos, and in 2019 we did like 160 shows, 40 some states, 33,000 miles on a, in a on a tour. It was broken into 46 dates, 60 dates, and then 60 dates. We ended a little early, but um, I was on the way back from the tour, and um, was kind of kind of a little defeated by some of the motivation by a guy or so in, in the band and uh, was writing in my book new names for a band because I was also told that I shouldn't be singing so um or that I wasn't uh, you know I wasn't a singer essentially and that really pissed me off and motivated me and I was like I'm gonna be a freaking front man I know can we swear on the show yeah, yeah. Okay. And I was told, I, I, you know, I wasn't, and I wanted to be a, so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to be a front man. I'm going to go for this. And uh, called up Taylor, who is, uh, you know, one of my best friends. And um, he and I started this band. He was the first guy I called. He was in another band called Koya Hill while I was in the Turbos. And um, essentially, we had always wanted to be in bands together. I knew they didn't have a drummer. And I knew that uh, I wanted to do something else. And he had a, a good friend and my good friend, Casey Lane, who was an incredible guitar player and they already had their chemistry. So I was, you know, called him up, got Taylor involved, got Casey involved. And then um, from there, it just kind of picked up steam. And then Taylor and I, that was around January or February of 2020. And then Taylor and I just started writing songs like crazy. We wrote like 30, 40 songs in the first you know, year and then kept going. And we wrote like 60 songs rapidly and started finding out that we had really good chemistry writing together, whether I started a song and he finished it or vice versa, or I would send him a whole song and he would make slight adjustments. So really 2020, early 2020, right around there is when the band started and it just picked up tons of steam. Uh, and then we touched a little bit on it, but like, how did you guys come up with the, with the band name and what's it like mean to you? It was, uh, just one of several names I had in my book that I was writing. Um, cause I knew I wanted to do a new band, didn't know who was going to be in it yet. And some of the other ones I had, I think Royal Radio was one of them. Another one I had was Modern Cop. 
um, but air and it was with an H H E I R. Um, I like that and had circled it. And then these days you have to look up band names and see if anybody else has it and stuff like yeah. that. So I looked that up and it was a band already. So then I said, fuck it and changed it to an A. And then later on, uh, Taylor's wife came up with the idea for like the, uh, the air symbol, the elemental symbol for air. And then we had a local, a local painter, uh, come up with the design you see behind me there, like the A with the, uh, the, the paint thing. Oh, and, nice. um, yeah, we went with that. So, uh, it means to me, um, it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it is just a band name, but to me, it, it's just, uh, if there's a deeper meaning, it's taking that, that step out into the unknown with your musicality and creativity and, and, uh, you know, taking a risk with trying to, to start something. That's kind of what it means personally to me. And then it's been one of the best things that I've done in my life because of all the opportunities it's opened up. So. Yeah, it was like, you know, your uh, other former bandmate or whatever is like telling you you're not a front man. And, you know, you you said, fuck it, you're going to go out and, you know, prove them wrong. And it was like almost like a new breath of life. for Yeah. You, you know, and, al- and along with that, like he did say that. And at that time, I wasn't the singer that I am now either. So in, in some form, I think. Uh, I need to maybe thank him too for saying that because then that, that changed my approach. That changed how much I worked on it. That changed me spending hours in my garage recording songs and doing take after take on demos. And I learned how to scream, um, you know, so as much as that pushed me out, I don't think I can sit there and be like upset with him for saying that anymore because it pushed me to, uh, to another level, you know? Yeah, nice. You took the, uh, the negative and turned it into a positive. Yes, sir. And then, um, like as, as you guys started like kind of building your own, your own name as a band, like, uh, what was, uh, you know, some of the hustle, you know, to get that name out there and like what, um, you know, what Um, have you guys experienced early on in your career? Oh man, we got lucky. Um, you know, they say sometimes it's better to be lucky than good where we have both of those things going for us, but, uh, I had, um, a manager friend of mine named Tim Buckenroth. He's our current manager. He works for FM Music Management. He was located out here in Marysville. And I'd known him for like 12 years at this point. Um, I met him at a, a B-dubs after work one night after I was bartending. He was sitting there and we got to chat about music. And I'd always sent him band demos. I'd always sent him my music and nothing really stuck with him. And I eventually sent him the demo for our one single that's out now, Body. and uh, maybe one other song and you know he clicked on it listened to it and texted me back right away call me now i didn't and next thing you know he's calling me and he loved it and then things just fucking went at light speed from there like um for the trajectory of most bands like you know usually people are around for a few years or whatever but this is kind of a little bit of a super group between the columbus super group between koya hill um the turbos and personal public and um it just kind of went at light speed because then through FM, we got connected with Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction, who's like the label guy for us. And um, that happened. And then, uh, you know, a little while after that, we got hooked up with William Morris Endeavor, you know, one of the biggest agencies in the country. And it just happened so fast. And um, within a, you know, a year of being with FM, we were on, um, we did a, flew out to LA to meet Stephen Perkins and do a couple shows with his, one of his other bands. And 
record at 606. We got to meet Dave Grohl. And then we played a show at the Viper Room in front of Gary Spivak, who was one of the top talent buyers for Danny Wimmer Presents. And I guess, yeah. you know, he liked it enough. And then next thing you know, we're on Welcome to Rockville, Incarceration, Louder Than Vibe, Aftershock. And it just, like I said, just boom, just instant, just took off. And I think it caught a lot of us by surprise and it changed it changed it from being, you know, a fun like drink drinking party band, having fun playing music to all of a sudden, holy shit, this is this is <laughs> a thing. This is a thing here. Let's fucking go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, wow, that is a lot um, right there. Yeah. But like what I, I, I missed the part, like how did you guys connect originally with, with Stephen Perkins? Uh, through Tim, um, uh, how when it first got going, I had sent Tim a demo early on in Air's conception, a, a demo of the song Body, and I think another song called High. And Tim worked for, uh, still works for a company called FM Music Management. That's our management company. Yeah. And uh, there's a there's a bunch of guys there that work with us, Frank, Dino, Bob. Um, but uh, Tim sent it to, uh, you know, them and talked to them about it. And the next thing you know, we were in talks with that management company. But they had, apparently, Stephen Perkins had already been looking for a band to sign. And uh, for whatever connections, the music world's so connected. It's a smaller circle than a lot of people realize. But, yeah, um, it is. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, our music landed in Stephen Perkins' fucking hands. And um, he loved it. And then he sent it to some of his friends and other industry people and asked, am I crazy or is this, is this fucking cool music? And <laughs> next thing you know, we're talking to Stephen Perkins, which was pretty wild. So um, Yeah, and then, and then you said he brings you guys out to L.A., to record at his studio? No, at Dave Grohl's studio, 606. Uh, Dave oh. Grohl from the Food Fighters, yeah. So oh, nice. It's funny, we didn't know if he would show up or not, but um, we went out there. We played two shows at this place called The Wisdom with Stephen Perkins' band, Think X. And that's got Scott Page, he's a saxophonist for Pink Floyd. Uh, Lawrence Fishbourne from uh, Fishbone. Um, trying to think there's, there's other people Derek Day from a band called Classless Act um, yeah oh yeah Classless Act though Derek Day is a phenomenal singer every time I hear him sing I'm like I'm gonna go back I need to do my homework but uh, yeah <laughs> they're a really sick band so yeah we were on stage with those guys Kenny Olsen from Kid Rock uh, puts around uh, Tucker Tucker band or whatever um, he loved us because he's a Detroit boy so we're Midwest so Kenny Olsen's in that Think X band too we played two shows at the Wisdom with them doing Pink Floyd songs we did the Viper Room show, uh, and then we did. We went to 606 and recorded a live version of Body, and then an alternative version of Body that's unreleased as of yet that we really love. And uh, Perkins played drums, and our drummer played drums, and is dual drums. And I think our drummer at the time he was probably one of the last people to play Taylor Hawkins' uh, studio kit. So. Oh wow. That, that was a lot of fun getting to actually sit down with Perkins and play with him and sing with him and watch how his creative brain worked. So, Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. You know, with uh, all that sitting under that learning tree and getting that wisdom and then that'd be an awesome experience then to record a Dave Grohl studio. And yeah, Dave know, Grohl came in. He's done. We weren't expecting him to come in and uh, all of a sudden you see this dude wearing the Canadian tuxedo denim on denim, big <laughs> tall dude with long dark hair comes walking in and, we were already like, you know, cracking into a 30 rack of bush light at that point. And he made the comment, you know, you guys drinking already? I was like, yeah. But um, he came in and he talked to, he talked to us. You know, he spent, he's from Ohio originally. 
and yeah, he spent Warner, like a yeah. yep he spent a year in like around the campus area and at the time our drummer Jari um Dave Grohl knew his dad because his dad was a drummer and uh one of the first people he called Dave Grohl when he was starting the Foo Fighters was this guy named Happy from this band called Royal Crescent Mob which was uh our drummer's dad's band so they connected right away and we're talking about it and Dave just sat there smoking a cigarette in the live room that totally Ohio Midwest chill normal no ego nicest guy on the planet you know what I mean? The, the, you would have no idea that he's, you know, the biggest rock star and two of the biggest bands that have ever existed in the world, you know, Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Completely yeah. chill. Blew my mind. So That's awesome that he's kept that, you know, that Midwest laid back attitude. I've heard I've heard that quite a bit. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, that's how that's how Perk is too. Stephen Perkins is if anything, he's more like Perkins is more like lappy, goofy. He's got more of the California vibe, but he's still like He's so chill too. Uh, I think probably a lot of these people are, to be honest. And maybe you catch them, maybe you catch them at the wrong time. You might not have that, or if you're bugging them. But yeah. But then, um, so you said you guys played the Viper Room, and 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 Gary from uh, Danny Wimmer Presents was there, and you guys caught his attention as well, and then that started your relationship with 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 Danny Wimmer and them. Yeah, he was already he was already um, he already knew about us because. Gary, uh, Gary knows Stephen Perkins, so he'd already heard our music and liked it. But you know, we hadn't played live. It's kind of almost, if you will, like a showcase show. Wasn't a lot of people there. Uh, it was like I think the uh, what is it, uh, Tommy Black? Uh, I might be able to get his name wrong, but yeah, I think he was he was the owner of the Viper Room or like Jam or something. But I think he was in the band The Wildabouts. Maybe it's been it's been a, it's been since twenty twenty. 21 i think since it's been a few years but uh, all the hops and bong resident in my brain probably are <laughs> fading my memory but um gary was there yeah and we played and uh it was hard because you know when you play rock and roll shows you're used to the kind of crowd being there, bodies and like the intensity of all that but it was kind of a, a smaller room uh with the amount of people that were there because it was like you know they wanted to hear what we sounded like and how we were so but gary Gary liked it. He really loved the song "Smoke 'Em If You Got 'Em." We talked to him, shook hands, got to you know meet with him, and um, I think from there, between our management, um, our manager was with us. Between management, uh, Stephen Perkins, the label rep, and um, and uh, Gary, they decided to collab and start getting us on some of these festivals. So that's nice. where it started. And uh, you know, Gary, there's a big shout out to him and really our whole team for getting all those things set up. We got lucky with all that. I don't know if lucky's the right word, but it was a blessing to be thrown into that, those situations for how early and how young our band was. Yeah. And I mean, well, you're given a golden opportunity, but you guys had to put in the work and impress them. You know, you didn't shit the bed there in the Viper room. You obviously, you know, the pressure was definitely on though. I, I, I take it, you know? Yep. Yep. That's the hardest part is, you know, uh, and I get, always get really nervous before shows. Like when we played Inc, there was like, the biggest crowd we played to at that time was probably like 12-ish thousand. So that was that was a lot. We were even on an earlier time slot, but Volumes was playing right next to us on the other main stage. And then Spirit Box was right after us. And that's and what, the wild thing, too, is being at these big festivals, your green room's right next to Ronnie Radke, you know, or right next to Spirit Box, and you get to have conversations with these people and meet them. That's so, it's been so cool. Yeah, man, it, it's... Uh, it, 
Danny Wimmer team puts on an amazing festival and just uh, oh yeah, such a like a it's like a going out away on a retreat or something, you know, and just the you know the people you get to interact with and the family atmosphere. It's just been uh, <clears throat> amazing getting to work with them over the years as a media person, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like, you know, for talent. But uh, what year was this that that uh, this first this connection first started for you guys? For us and all that, I think it was twenty twenty one. It would have been February of twenty one when we went out to LA, if I'm not okay. mistaken. It might have been twenty two. I don't know. My brain's kind of rotted out. I think it might have been twenty. It might have been twenty two. Okay, so this was all like last year, basically, that you got to do all these other uh, festival shows with them. Yeah, because I think 21 is when we, we went out to Chicago. One of the guys for FM Frank, he owns a club. Uh, he owns a club in sh just outside Chicago um, called The Forge, I think. And um, we went out and you know, hung out with him there, saw a show there. And then we played um, with Everclear, Hoobastank, and Wheatus. Um at oh fuck what's that venue called the coliseum maybe uh if i forget at this point honestly man it's easy to forget when you've been all over the place uh, but yeah that was one of the first big things that we did and then you know from there that just kind of stacked up we've played with the struts in chicago at the cubby bear since then we did two shows at smashing pumpkins newport kentucky and then kemba live in columbus got to meet billy corgan and um you know so, but yeah, I'd say, I think it was 22 when we went out to LA the first time. Well, I forgot. What was that, uh, that, that 30 pack you guys busted into in Dave Grohl's studio? Uh, I think we bought cheap Bush light, some Bush, cheap Bush light. I was going to say that, that that's not good for the memory either though. So. <laughs> no. And then well, at the door, we noticed there's a bunch of random assortment of beers like down at the front door and there's a big handle of crown. And then of course, at some point we asked Dave, we're like, Hey, what's up with all that? And he's then specifically the crown he's like oh you guys can take whatever you want we're like well the crown too he's like yeah fuck it take it that's mine so Dave gave <laughs> us basically like a almost completely full handle of crown royal so you can imagine that that night after that experience and um i think the next day we had a walkthrough with Harmon, which is like jbl speakers and all that they're they're one of our endorsements now we walked through there and then got endorsed by them so <laughs> the next morning was a little rough after we you know finished <laughs> off dave's bottle of crown <laughs> that's great so um so you just basically recorded the single when you were out there has work started yeah. on the, the full yeah. album yet uh the full album's been done um that's been done for a while since 2021 and we've been slowly getting singles out and um we did a live version of body and then we made up a whole new alternative version of body as well with perkins uh, kind of perkins and then taylor taylor wood our rhythm guitar player and he's the one that i do all the writing with um he and i do all the writing uh perkins and him kind of took the, the steering wheel on that and they uh they kind of rewrote and reworked body into a whole another alternative single version of it that's sweet we're sitting on too um and you know how it is that uh management management label and all that they they have a plan and they're sticking to it and i think the record should be out sometime this year but i don't ask a lot of those questions it's not my that's not where I, what I'm good at. I'm good at singing, playing music, yeah. and writing. So I let them handle that shit. Yeah. So it, you don't know if it'll be out prior to. Uh, um, Sonic. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know Sonic Temple now returning this year after the uh, 
the downtime after uh, the world shut down. The Panini. Uh, finally bringing the back the uh, their big festival to your hometown. Like, what's this going to be like for you guys to get to play this, this one? Fucking huge, man. Um, I went to, when it was back, when it was Rock on the Range, the year that Red Hot Chili Peppers headlined, the year that Metallica headlined. And, you know, seeing uh, local bands when I was dreaming of playing it, seeing local bands that I respected and loved get on there. And now this year we're on it. It, it means the world to you, man. It shows it's a lot of hard work. Um, you know that your friends that are going to be there anyway, you got lots of friends that are going to be there and, you know, representing Columbus, um, it, it really does mean the world. And we've played some of these other big festivals, but this one's definitely one of those check marks on the, on the bucket list of like something we've always wanted to do. So we're really happy uh, with uh, the promoters and everything that got us on there and all the local sponsors and all that shit that we finally, um, finally got it, dude. It's awesome. It's awesome to do there, it to be there. And I'm sure we'll be a little bit earlier of a time slot, but, um, I think I know what stage we're on. I don't know if it's been announced yet, so I don't know if I can say, but, um, it, it's a, it's a blessing, man. And it, it's a, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds like this whole journey has been, you know, like you said, kind of fast, but you know, huge for sure. And, and to be able to play, uh, you know, the infamous Viper room and then to play these other festivals and size, you know, huge size crowds played incarceration. So it's in your home state, but yep. all that leading up to just to play where you used to play the, the, the small concert clubs now, you know, <laughs> in front of all your friends, being one of the, those fans out in the audience and now getting to see yourself, you know, it's surreal, dude. Age, dude. It's like huge. It's I'm excited surreal. for you guys, man. I remember when we played Kemba opening for Smashing Pumpkins, looking out in the crowd, and I couldn't stop like pointing at the homies, like out there. I was like, see somebody, you know, give me the rock fist, like, yeah, and yell. And you could see, you just keep seeing people, people, people that you know. So I imagine it'll probably be something similar when we play there. You're just going to see all these faces because uh, I think uh, my first band, uh, Taylor's first band, got into the Columbus scene probably 2014 or 15, maybe. So, um, you met, you know, all these people, man. So it's it's going to be exciting to see those faces and represent Columbus as a Columbus band. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And then, um, you know, back to the album. So, like, you don't know if it'll be out before the festival, but do you guys have a name for it yet or anything? Um, but no, I don't think we have a name. I think um, – I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. I'm sure I'm allowed to say this. I'm the fucking artist. But um, I think we're going to go with uh, kind of like the uh, the Led Zeppelin approach. Like they had Zepp 1, Zepp 2, but instead of the Roman numerals, we artistically, we kind of talked about maybe doing the um, the elemental symbols. So the first one, air, would be, you know, the, the elemental symbol for air. And after that, we might do, you know, Earth or something. Because we got another demo, a second song, that will maybe be on the next record or grouping of songs. It's called Common Ground. So... We might play a lot around with that, um, but you never know. Things change, shit changed. I mean, look at Machine Gun Kelly and Travis Barker. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly had a name for one of his albums, and they got it tattooed on each other. And both of them got it tattooed on him. And then the record changed right before it dropped. The name of it changed. So <laughs> you, you never know, man. We're we're all go with the flow, people. So um, yeah. good ideas, good ideas come from everywhere. And if you're too egotistical to change it last minute because of something, then you know that's. That's a you problem, but I'm open to a lot of things. It just needs to be the right thing when it comes up. So, 
Gotcha. And then uh, what's like the the latest single you guys are uh, pushing right now? The latest one is Tug of War. That's the last one we we released, Tug of War. Uh, That's the third single we released a little while ago onto all platforms. Um, It's a dope song, one of my favorites to play. Taylor and I wrote it actually really quick. Our drummer at the time doesn't play guitar really well at all, but he kind of had just this little hook thing. And then Taylor and I loved it. So we jumped on it. Taylor started rearranging it and like really constructing it into the blueprint of the song. And I started singing and then I drove home to my house from there while he finished the recording on acoustic, the demo of it. By the time I got home, I had the demo and I wrote all the lyrics in about 15, 20 minutes. And it's an awesome song. We love performing it. It's called Tug of War. And uh, yeah, it's available on all streaming platforms. And what's the... uh like the the meaning behind this song or message that you're sending out it's the push and pull of, of a relationship if you will uh like a constant like uh push and pull of, of a relationship and it's even mentioned in there i push away and i'm right back in type of thing um and then there's like the chorus is falling over the place uh you read about it it's kind of has a little bit of a social media aspect to how social media um impacts uh, relationships in today's society, how it makes things more difficult. So there's a, a co- kind of couple different meanings behind why I wrote the lyrics. But to me, I encourage people to find their own meanings and make it important to them in their own interpretations because, um, you know, that's the beautiful thing about being creative and music is a, uh, something I say or saying can mean a thousand different things to a thousand different people. And I encourage them to, you know, come up with those things. Yeah, I agree, man. It's awesome. And then uh what kind of like uh you know, I mean, you got the this big like basic like homecoming uh opportunity at the Sonic Temple Festival coming up this year, but what other uh goals do you guys have set for the rest of 2023? Uh hopefully do some touring. Uh, we have a small string of shows coming up probably for Sonic Temple that aren't 100% announced, but mostly Ohio. Um one out of state, I think, that haven't been announced yet, so I can't really talk about them quite yet, but I've got a small string of shows for that. Hopefully, we might be able to get on to another festival. I know a lot of, for our size band, a lot of uh, the Danny Wimmer or other festivals are one year on, one year off, or something like that. Maybe two years on, one year off. But um, uh, hopefully, we'll, do, we'll get some touring done. Uh, I have an RV and a band band, so we got everything we need to do that. I'd like to get on the road with the boys and you know do the Road Warrior thing again. And then hopefully we'll be able to release the record and um, start recording album two because we have 60 plus demos that we that we have recorded demo wise that we're ready to attack in the studio. So nice. And then uh, any anything that you guys uh, have you know gone through that you feel like you could still improve on? Oh, dude! Uh, for me, it's uh, I'm never satisfied with anything my voice um the tightness of the band um how much money we have to get certain things done you know we all work regular jobs still because it's a small business and you have to have capital put into it um i'm never satisfied so if you ask me that question everything needs to be improved on but probably my biggest thing would be uh being better at social media making content uh, like tiktoks and stuff like that uh, I, I need to be more present on those uh, but other than that, uh, it's everything, man. We need to, if you want to 
be successful in this industry, you can't just hit a level and be satisfied. You need to never be satisfied and push, push, push. Uh, yeah, I agree, man. And it's like, I'm with you on the social media thing. It's like, I have to hit my daughters up and say, all right, how do I do this? You know, I got to mm-hmm. promote the podcast or whatever. And it's like, uh, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, but that's where, where we're going as a, as a world, I guess, you know? Yeah. I'm better. I'm better with the random content, like silly stuff. I do a lot of dumb stuff. That's funny or whatever, but I, it's hard for me to just set up a camera and force it. Usually someone needs to be like, oh, my God, what's this idiot about to do and start filming? And I do something stupid. Like, that's <laughs> the content I think I'm better at. So just uh, making content, like put, putting your camera out, that's a little more difficult for me. But I need to be better at it. That's, you know, that's what I chose to do. I chose to be a front man, chose to be socially present like this. So that's probably my, my biggest area of improvement that I need to make. Yeah, I, I I I got you on that. I mean, I got into this whole podcast thing. It's almost like therapy for me. It's like, you know, I uh, <clears throat> got out of the military, and then it's like I'm, you know, um, in recovery, you know, and so it's like I'm getting sober, and I'm having to feel feelings, and I'm like having to socialize without my, you know, my go-tos and stuff like that. And it just like, it was tough for a while at the beginning. And now it's just like, the more I do this and the more I step out of my box, this becomes like a therapy for me. Yeah, you need an outlet. Talking to people. Yeah. You need that outlet. And that's what, luckily I have music. And when I get mad, I got the screaming songs or I can write an angry pen or write a love song or, you know, whatever. So yeah, you found your outlet, which is very, very crucial. I think a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm still learning as I go, you know, but it's a, it's been an amazing journey and I get to talk to artists like you and hear your stories, you know, and it's just like, I always find inspiration in some of the people I talk to and hopefully, you know, the, the listeners will pick something up too. Like that's the you know, coolest part, isn't it? The people you meet, like you meet so many cool characters, cool people and like, uh, just the, what you learn from getting outside of, you know, maybe your hometown or your own shell, or it's just such a, a an impactful thing to do what you do or do what I do, where you get to meet all these people from different walks of life. And it really just gives you like a more cultured experience of what it is to be on this fucking earth, you know? Yeah, exactly. And what, like, I, I try and, you know, it, it teach my daughters, but what, what I've learned a lot too, is just like, you know, and hopefully, you know, the, the fans that, you know, out there pick this up as well, is just like, uh, you know, we're the artists I get to talk to and, and, you know, people put them on these pedestals or whatever. And I'm not saying be a lot of people haven't earned their, their spot there or whatever, but they're just, they just want to be treated normal. You know, like you were yeah. saying, picking it with Dave Grohl at the, you know, they just want to be treated like a normal person and normal dude. And, 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 uh, you know, it's more of a headache. They got to almost put guards up when you're coming at them all like crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. and, and for, for people to hear them be comfortable and open, you know, whenever I have guests on here, I think that's, uh, you know, I learn from it and hopefully, you know, like I said, the fans learn from it too, that, you know, we're all, yeah. people just, you know, I mean, I'm not even I'm not even that big yet, but there's been bars I go to or whatever, you know, and I'm just trying to sit there and have a drink. And the next thing you know, people are asking about the band, what's happening with the band, da, 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 da. and it's like not annoying because we haven't got to the point yet where it's like, I just want a night. It's cool. Like I'm flattered by it, but I can definitely see how that would get to people on the levels of the Dave Grohl's or whatever. You can't really go anywhere 
And I'm, yeah. like I said, I'm only experiencing it on such a minute, like small level and I'm happy about it and I'm flattered by it, but I could see how over years and years and years of you can't even go out and have a fucking drink at a, at a bar without. So mad respect to people like Dave and Stephen Perkins who are able to uh, take it all in stride and, and be, you know, really good humans about it all too. So. Yeah. Agree, man. So uh, Lucas, I want to ask you a couple of questions. I normally ask guests that I have on here. We've touched, uh, you know, a little bit on, on some of the musical inspirations that you've had, but uh, this is always a tough one for musicians when I ask to narrow it down, but who are your top three musical artists right now? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do right now, not all time. Because all time, we're going to be here for another two hours. But try to figure the hell out. Um, right now, I would have to say, um, oof, uh, probably Bad Flower, uh, Nothing But Thieves, and Cleopatra. Nice. And I get asked that enough that I've been able to like think about it in my free time. <laughs> but in no specific order, Nothing But Thieves, because Connor Mason's an animal on vocals. I love his falsetto. He's got like, that Jeff Buckley influence. Bad Flower because Josh Cat Josh Cat is an animal and they're like more edgy hard rock and he is unhinged at times and then Cleopatra because they're like that Canadian two piece and they're they're down tuned a little bit and they're just heavy cool 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 fucking music so I'd say those three Bad Flower nothing but thieves and uh, Cleopatra gotcha and then uh, what class do you feel should be mandatory before graduating high school today. Uh, taxes, economics, and taxes, probably how to be able to actually do that uh, a little better to prepare you for, um, you know, some stuff. I think education in general, there should be more focus on that, uh, for young people. Um, and because uh, the things that I learned in high school, it would have been nice to learn some more adult things like the taxes and uh, how to take advantage of your small business or maybe small business ownership and stuff like that. Probably. Um, yeah, no, that's like the number one. If this was like family feud questions, that's like the number one I get from people that I have on here. And I ask that question about the taxes and. Yeah. We have, to, we, we have to hire somebody to go over ours probably because we could do it our own, but it's so time consuming. And if you're an artist, you're supposed to be creating not not digging deep into taxes and small businesses and losing your fucking mind over numbers. I'm terrible at math anyway. So. <laughs> I feel you on that. And then uh, who are three people who've inspired you or you can credit for making you the person you are today? Uh, I'm going to lump my parents into one. So both my parents, my dad, uh, Bill, and my, my mother, Robin. Um, Taylor Wood, who's the guitarist for our band. Taylor Wood, uh, my best friend and bandmate. Um, even though we haven't had a longer relationship, I think people who have known you for a short amount of time can have a larger impact on you than people we've known your whole life. So I'd say him. And then, um, man, uh, third, third wise, probably, uh, one of my, one of my best friends from growing up in high school who's somebody that I get to play video games with when I get free time, my, my buddy, Caleb, probably, um, because nice. over time, he's been one of my really good friends. We get to play video games, and that's when I'm defragging my brain and get to be normal, and he treats me like a normal, you know, treats me like a normal person will tell me that I'm being a piece of shit or whatever. So, probably <laughs> him. So. Nice. And then, uh, are there any organizations that you support and encourage others to check out? 
That's a great question. I don't know if I've ever gotten that question before all the interviews that I've done. Uh, organizations to check out. Fuck, I wish I had a, a, a list of some good, good, uh, good Columbus organizations or somebody local. Um, damn. That's a good question, man. Uh, I've never been asked that one. Um, I would say, I would say look local and look, look local would be my answer. Try to find someone local that's not necessarily corporate, a nonprofit and look local for people that are actually able to affect change in your community and like where you live. Well, that right there is a good answer. I mean, I definitely, I'm, I'm on the same, say, I agree a hundred percent with that. You know, what can you do to affect change in your backyard? Cause it's like, we got all these, you know, faceless places that say they're helping, but you don't know, you don't see a lot of it, you know, but yeah. when you actually see the change happening in your backyard, you know, you feel more apt to donate your time and money to. Yep. And then you're, then, you, then you're meeting the people that are actually directly doing it and responsible for it in, in your hometown. So I'd, I'd say something local that's, uh, I know the star house in Columbus, I think it's one where my buddy worked out for a little bit. It's troubled youth in Columbus. I believe that's one like, there's different things I would say local that are actually immediately uh, affecting change in our local community. So nice. And then uh, this one I like asking, it takes everybody back. Um, but favorite toy as a child. Oof. Yeah. I always had like little hot wheels cars and like a, a little construction equipment but probably whatever video game system i had i think we got the place uh well we had a super nes and then we had a n64 so for me it's always video games probably were my favorite toys if that counts and if not then um that's uh, that's what led you to lincoln park so right yeah 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 it was literally i think playstation one maybe playstation two there's a skateboarding game where um a place for my head was in so yeah but uh Favorite toy, probably video games in my free time still. So Nice. And then uh, any message that you have for our military members currently serving overseas? Um, thank you. And we love you. Uh, get home safe. My brother-in-law is a former Marine. Um, we have friends that have served. So we appreciate you guys, regardless of whatever fucking politics is going on, what side you're on. These people are, you know, fighting and putting their lives up for our freedom. So um, let's not make it political. Like, I don't care what you're doing. These people have lives and families. So, uh, thank you and get home safe. Awesome, man. Well, uh, man, Lucas, thanks, dude. It's been good. Uh, thanks for the time. It's been good talking to you and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to catching you guys at the, uh, big, big homecoming Sonic temple performance. Uh, will I get to meet you? We're playing Sunday. Will I get to meet you? I hope so. I'm, I mean, it, it, I, I still haven't gotten the official approval. I mean, I've, I've got approved for giveaway tickets, but I haven't got the official media, you know, you know, blessing yet that I'll be. Yeah. The media, media credentials. Pick. That's huge. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a walk, walk wherever you want type pass. But hey, yeah, man, if you do much. get there, make sure you email us or our management or whatever, and let's link up. I like to put faces and names and shake the hands, especially yeah. a former, a former military guy. So, um, yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we get, get connected man how yeah Appreciate brother that. and then uh real quick before i let you go you mind doing one last favor for me yeah of course just cut a promo id for the show just introduce yourself and you're listening to today's boondoggle yeah hey my name's lucas and i'm from air i'm the singer for, uh, i'm the singer for air and you're listening to today's boondoggle 
You want to do that one more time? Yeah. Right. Hey, what's up? My name's Lucas. I'm the singer for Air, and you're listening to today's Boondoggle. Awesome. Lucas, thank you so much, man. It's good talking with you. Thanks for your thank time. Thank you very bro. much. Pleasure meeting you, brother. Thank you so much. Hopefully, I'll see you on Sunday uh, for Latin, or for uh, Sonic Temple, brother. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good.